Love you. All right, all right. You, you can be seated. That's enough clapping. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm happy my wife's not here. She would have shut that down. She would have been like, don't you clap for him? Um, no, my wife keeps me grounded. I married a sassy, smoking hot Filipina, and she puts me in my place. She's like a mini Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's funny, you know, it, it really, <laughs> ministry should never cost you your family. If it does, you're doing it wrong. And so she's such a valuable asset um, to me. My wife is uh, a genius. I, I married way out of my league. Uh, when I met my wife, I was, unempl- I was between careers. When I met my wife <laughs> in Houston, and um, I walked up to her, and I was not smooth. I, was, I just went up to her, and I was like, hi. And she said, hi, back. And I was like, she was wearing a Michael Jackson Beat It t-shirt in church. And so I was like, awesome, a a normal Christian girl. And uh, I asked her out on a date. I said, let's get sushi. And um, that was it. 12 years now. We've, We've been married 12 years. She works, my wife works for NASA. And um, she develops software for satellites, and um, she's brilliant. Her degrees are in mathematics and computer science. And um, I'm learning disabled in math. (laughs) So we're a good team. Um, And we have a beautiful daughter named Gemma Love. Her middle name is Love. And um, uh, we were not medically able to have children um, until um, I did a meeting in... uh, actually in San Antonio um, with Bob Jones. And um, Bob Jones didn't know. And we walked into the green room and he pointed at my wife and I and said, you will conceive. <laughs> and we had gone to fertility clinics. They're like, it will never happen. You will not get a woman pregnant. And they told my wife, you will never get pregnant. And um, so that weekend we conceived. Yeah. Faith without works is dead. And so nine months later, my daughter came out. I've sent a picture in so you can see my family. That's my crew. We're, at a, we're in Chinatown in Houston eating at this amazing um, ice cream place. I'm a foodie. I'm not bougie. I just love food. And so uh, sometimes they can't travel with me, and so I'd like to see their faces and show everybody else their face. I love this morning that the Holy Spirit is so in this room, not just in this room, but in you. And that's why he's in this room uh, is because you brought him with you. And um, when we start worshiping the father and we start pouring out our, our affection in worship, it makes his presence rise up even more. Just like when you talk about demonic things, it rises up. When you talk about God, it rises up. Everything that you use your mouth for is life-giving, either to evil or to good. Uh, the end result could either be death or life, but we give life to things with our mouth. And so I love the fact that um, the next major revival that's hitting the earth has to do with worship. It has to do with prayer and worship. It's not a lottery. It has to do with prayer and worship to people that are uh, pulling on heaven themselves, whose hearts are individually tethered to heaven in worship. And um, the next major revival has to do with denial of self. (laughs) 
um, and us decreasing so he can increase so that the miraculous can manifest. Um, just like Peter's shadow healed people, ours can too. The difference is Peter had intimacy uh, with the Father, and we need that level of intimacy. Peter wasn't more anointed than you. He just understood intimacy better. And so miracles and signs and wonders are a reflex to intimacy. So you want the miraculous? You want demons to flee? Your love will mandate that. Amen? You don't have to be the person that's like, oh, that one person's chosen to do that. You love Jesus, demons will manifest. <laughs> you love Jesus, it'll bring justice to injustice and people will be healed. And so there's times I haven't known how to pray. You know, you imagine all these great divine things like if I ever get around a dead body, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna go like, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you imagine like this saucy prayer you're gonna pray <laughs> to command this dead body to live. And then I had it happen. And I was like, this guy had a, an aneurysm and died. His wife's a nurse. And we were waiting for the ambulance, maybe 20 minutes, no pulse, evacuated his bowels, totally dead. And um, I was like, uh, what do we do? And the Lord's like, <laughs> what do you think? And I'm like, oh, I should probably try to pray for him so that he'll live. Right? And like, no, there's all these other leaders there. Nobody's prayed for that yet. And I was like, I'll do it, I guess. So I walk over there and I don't know what to say. So I just, I go over and I go, enough. Like, I don't, I don't go, in the name of Jesus, I command, I just go, enough. And he sits up going, shut up, like speaking in tongues and is alive. We have it on video. It happened in front of 300 people. And we're just like, uh, like, I was like, do we kill him? Like, it's, He's officially a zombie. I don't know. <laughs> we talk tough. We're like, I want to see the dead raised. You might poop your pants if the dead raised. You'd be like, that. I've literally prayed at caskets and been like, if you move, I'm going to freak out. Like, I'm gonna... <laughs> But God has powerful things set aside for us because we're jars of clay and he is the power that shines through us. Amen. But you've got to agree with heaven. Stop agreeing with hell about your life and start agreeing with heaven. Amen. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get it on like Donkey Kong. Cool? Okay, bow your heads and close your eyes so he can hear you. <laughs> um, Father, you are awesome. We thank you for allowing us to come together and smush our hearts together as a community. Lord, I thank you for every uh, precious member of royalty that is in this room. Father, that it is a privilege and an honor to get to speak before royalty. Lord, and that's how you see them. Lord, and I pray that their minds, their eyes, their hearts would be aligned with that truth, that they would not argue with your word about their value. But God, they would agree with the word about their value. Father, I pray that this morning we would not be batting at the wind, but that we would touch the pulse of eternity, that people would leave here challenged, changed, and ready for the next level. In your name we pray, amen. I'm so excited. I do have some prophetic words at the end that um, we're gonna release uh, over one voice and then over some individuals. Um, I, I don't go anywhere without um, praying that I bring something with me. And I really feel like, um, I don't do events, I do assignments. And so um, I feel personally assigned to Brian and his family and to one voice 
And um, as long as I have breath in my lungs, I'll do whatever, I'll fold, like, I'll fold up chairs and put them away. I'll do whatever you want, seriously. I will, the Lord's told me in my heart to serve you in any way that I can. And so um, that's something that we take uh, very personal. So thank you for opening up to having me uh, this morning. And so we've had, a, I've had a great weekend. Um, God's opening doors. Um, and what I want to talk about this morning was actually all throughout the worship, even in the beginning, the guy that was talking about uh, Portuguese, who was that? Vinny. Um, so the verse that he used is in my message. And um, the, what Brian called to for a moment of prayer for disappointment is the heartbeat of my message. It's literally in my altar call <laughs> to deal with. So you already are a forerunner. Amen. But there's something imperative um, for us in the body of Christ, specifically for the generations in this room that are vital that we know how to walk this out, uh, what I'm about to talk about. Because if you don't know how to walk it out, it's going to cost you your calling. And, and it's imperative that we understand it because I'm watching generations flush it down the toilet. And the Lord really wants to spare you from heartbreak. And he wants to encourage you that you are picked, that you are chosen that God literally hinged his eternal plan in the hearts of men and women, that God looked at you and said, you're plan A, there's no plan B. God looked at you and said, you're who I pick. We sing songs about heaven manifesting on earth. What do you think it looks like? It looks like you. You are how heaven invades earth. You can't walk around praying for portals to open. You are the portal. You're a mobile upper room, a walking Ark of the Covenant. Like God picked you to manifest change through. And God's going to open doors of favor for you. And you've got to have something to bring through the door. The door is not just about an Instagram op. Okay, the, the door is about what you bring of value from the Father. I was sharing this uh, in the back room. On Friday, I got here and I decided to go to the Grove on a mission with the Holy Spirit. And I was going to do some window shopping and I just felt like the Lord said, go out there and just pray and seek me and I'm going to give you an encounter. And I was like, all right, cool. So I just go out there, I'm shopping and looking around, I'm checking out all the sneaker spots and everything. And for those of you who know me. And uh, so I'm looking at all this stuff and then I'm in Zara um, shopping. There's an anointing on Zara, by the way. And this black guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, I like your backpack, man. And I'm like, oh, thanks. And he's like, those Jordans. I was wearing some Jordans. And he's like, those Jordans are awesome too. And I was like, thanks, dude. And he's like, man, what do you do? And I was like, why do you ask? I do this because um, oftentimes people get turned off if I tell them I'm a minister. And in the last year, we've led over 300 kids to Christ in malls just based off of conversations starting with sneakers. Wow. Right? <laughs> Where they just come up and they're like, yo, where did you get those Travis Scotts? And I'm like, oh, funny story. I love Jesus. <laughs> and so this guy's talking to me and he goes, man, are you going to Floyd's party? And I was like, no. Like, who's Floyd? I don't know. I don't know no Floyd. Like, and he's like, are you from here? You seem really familiar. Like, I know you. Are you a celebrity? And I was like, No. See, what he's sensing is God's presence on my life. And he's attracted to it, but he just doesn't have the verbiage for it. And so his only standard is fame. He's like, so you're not in, in the biz? And I was like, nope. And he's like, do you want to go to Floyd's party? And I was like, well, tell me about it. 
And he's like, well, we have a pre-party here in the Grove at this restaurant. Um, and then we have the real party at the club tonight. And he's like, and we got bottle service at the club. It's going to be bumping, city of Compton. And so I'm like, okay. <laughs> I said, well, I used to be an alcoholic and a drug addict. I said, so I probably won't go to the club because <laughs> I'm not an idiot. And so um, I said, but um, I'll stop by the, the restaurant. He's like, okay, okay, man. So I gave him my name and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to go meet this dude. I have no idea who he is. And so I'm like, but the Lord said, do it. And I was like, all right, I'll go. So I go to this little restaurant. I have to give him my ID and there's security and all this stuff. It's over by the fountain there at the Grove. And um, I go up to the second level and it's Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> it's his birthday party. And so uh, it's the pre-party and I'm like, I'm surrounded by rap artists and Floyd Mayweather. And that guy's like, hey, yeah, come over here. And like, he's like, Floyd, I met this guy at Zara. And I'm like, hi. Like, like I, I, I don't know anything about athletes or sports, okay? Like, I grew up in a punk band and did Vans Warped Tour. Like, I, I grew up, like, separate from the athletic world. And so I was like, wow, that's cool. And Floyd's like, so what do you do, man? And I'm like, I'm a minister of the gospel. And he's like, for real? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, man, sit down. I want to talk to you. So I wound, up getting, I wound up getting to pray for Floyd Mayweather, you know, and right? Isn't that awesome? But it would have been easy just to walk into that party and been like, cool, click, you know, and like tag and like Instagram it and then disconnect and just be thankful to be there. But that's not enough. We don't just need revelation. We need wisdom and revelation the wisdom to do the right thing with the opportunity. Amen? But what's happening is people are messing up. And I'm not talking about moral failure. God gives you a burden way before the timing. And, and God will put a burden on your heart for something. And the, the, the challenge is to not become disappointed in the now and the not yet. Because God doesn't give you a burden right before it happens. <laughs> Burdens are something that are built up. Burdens are things you pray into, you get a heart for. Um, burdens um, come way, sometimes decades before you actually get the timing. And that's why it's imperative that we walk it out, that we're not wounded, feeling rejected, because if you don't know what the Father's doing, you'll misunderstand what the Father's doing. And then you'll relate to him as an orphan. Orphans don't know what the Father's doing. And so then they base their assumption on what God's doing on their own broken filter instead of what a father really does. And so we look at it and we go, well, you know, maybe they were wrong about my destiny. Maybe that word I got wasn't accurate. Maybe that thing I felt in prayer wasn't real because it hasn't manifested the way I thought it should. His destiny and plans for your life are his. They're not yours. You're just hanging on to them for him. So how dare you call it foolish? It's his. He's got purpose for your life. But you've got to walk the road of character development to get there. Because he cares about the longevity of your ministry. He doesn't want a flash in the pan. He doesn't want your 15 minutes of fame. What he wants is longevity. 
And so he will literally show you, we call it in the prophetic community, we call it the wound of prophecy, where you see, but you're not there. (laughs) So you get the word and you're like, that is awesome. And then you are deposited into the toilet of your life. (laughs) And you're like, "Uh, that word was great. I got an eviction notice today. Like, it's so good. So good. I, I, got a, I, got a word of, I got a word of destiny on my life and my transmission went out. And I don't, God, God, you can't be real, God, because you gave me this word, but I'm, I'm actually facing opposition. Maybe you don't know that, but there is something in my way. And um, God loves to put things in your way. So, some of you, the reason is there's giants that need killing. And they're not just your giants. See, God's got a road of destiny for you and there's something that's an obstacle in your way that you're gonna need to grow through because he wants you to mature. So you're gonna have to battle something, not just for your own benefit, but to clear a road for somebody else. If God's called you to be an artist and there's a giant in your way, kill that giant because there's other artists behind you that are waiting you to go, to go down the same road. We don't kill giants just for ourselves. We kill them for other people. We remove roadblocks. Don't, dis, don't get discouraged in the now and not yet. Do not let your eyes deceive you. Do not look at your destiny and the promises of God on your life through merely human eyes. You can't. You can't afford to. You have to agree with heaven. I'm telling you, the stuff that I'm doing now in ministry... I never would have thought in a million years I'd be doing. Just never. I just not, If you were to say, what do you think you'll be doing in 10 years? I'd be like, I don't know. Loving Jesus, prophesying over people, um, <laughs> making it work. I don't know. <laughs> and the stuff that we're doing now, like it, it's, it's crazy stuff. And I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on the Lord, where the Lord took this like low educated, learning disabled kid who's now like, consulting Fortune 500 companies with prophetic consulting. Like God's opening up these crazy, I just got hired by a biomechanics company and I'm working with the research and development team developing new technology from a vision the Lord gave me. Like, and that's not because I'm the chosen prophet of God. That's because I was the most obedient donkey in proximity. (laughs) That's really it. I said yes and didn't care about making a mistake. How many times have you sat under the dashlight of your car wondering why you didn't do that thing you were supposed to do? Walk it out. Don't let your eyes deceive you. Right now, what the Lord was saying was that a lot of people right now in the body of Christ are in a Gehazi moment. Gehazi was a servant to Elisha. And his gift set was to speak in front of dignitaries and kings and to help navigate and change laws. That was Gehazi's calling. But his biggest issue was his vision, the way he saw things incorrectly. He's traveling with a prophet of God and he saw things incorrectly. There was a story in 2 Kings 6-7. It talks about uh, Naaman and and leprosy. He came to be healed and he offered money and the man of God turned it down. But Gehazi knew that he needed money. 
So he went and chased him down after he was healed and was like, hey, the man of God changed his mind. He'll take some money. He lied. And that guy gave him money and he comes back to Elisha and Elisha's like, where were you? And Gehazi's like, oh, uh, just out. <laughs> just, I was walking around. <laughs> and Elisha's like, uh, do you think you can lie to me? I am a prophet of God. He goes, I know where you were. You went and you got money from him. And he goes, but guess what? Your greed has caused you to get his leprosy. And not just you, but every one of your descendants will have leprosy. Yikes. How many of y'all know that's intense? How many of you would quit that ministry? Your ministry director just gave you leprosy. Like you think you got it hard because they can't give you money. <laughs> this guy gave him leprosy. And Gehazi didn't leave. He, he stayed. He's like, well, I got nowhere to go. Like, I got leprosy. I'm just going to follow you around, I guess, and help you. So there, you know, Elisha is getting blueprints of the enemy's plans for war. And the Lord's revealing these plans to Israel so they can avoid disaster. And the pagan king's like, let's kill this prophet. So they send the pagan armies and they find him. And Gehazi comes out of the tent in the morning, you know, to get stuff ready for the day. And he, he comes out of the tent and there's a pagan army all surrounding in a complete circle on their horses, right? Just like, they're there. We're going to kill you. And Gehazi comes out and he's like, oh, no. And he's like, Elisha, we're dead. The pagan army's here. And Elisha comes out and he's like, Lord, open the eyes of my servant, please. And Gehazi's eyes are opened. See, he saw the problem wrong right away. He already looked at it from a defeated standpoint because he already had disappointment in his heart. And then he sees the angel armies of God encamped in greater numbers surrounding the pagan army. I mean, how amazingly crazy is God's plans? So this pagan army, it's not like Elisha and Gehazi got power and fought them and killed them. They killed each other. God confused the pagan army and they all killed each other. You know how hard that is? It's not a cloudy day. There's no fog. Like, you're in a circle. Like, I'll just, you look like an enemy, I'll kill you. Like, God just put confusion on them and they killed each other. But as great as Gehazi's anointing was, his vision got in the way. And his name, the name Gehazi means valley of vision. And what the Lord's trying to do is heal the way you view things concerning yourself and his plans in your life. Because if you don't see it right, you won't trust him. Jesus said, I only do what I see the father doing. Which means if you're dealing with fear about your destiny, you're not looking at him. You got to look at him because you don't know what he's doing if you're not looking. How do you look? Your word. You read your word. You put on the worship music. You close your eyes and you start using your divine imagination. I read Bible stories. And then I go to God and say, okay, 
Use my imagination. Show me what that looked like. I want to know what that looked like. And then it comes alive in my mind and I see it. And I connect and I see another attribute of the Father's heart. And that's what sustains us. The Lord will allow you to go through the battle because no revolution can be born in a comfort zone. The Lord will let you feel discomfort for the purpose of promotion. <laughs> You're going to get squeezed, baby. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. The Lord's going to say, okay, I want to refine you to contain your promotion. Have you, seen, have you ever seen on the news when somebody wins the lottery? Right? Like it's, it's some dude that like is homeless, wins the lottery, wins like $600 million. And like five months later is homeless and cross-eyed again. And just like, I don't know where hell my money's gone. I don't know what happened. He didn't have the character to contain the promotion. And God loves you enough to not promote you. But you got to trust him that his great desire is to promote you. But he loves you enough to not give you something that's going to destroy your life. Revival destroys churches. If you're not ready, it, when that meth addict gets saved, they pray for somebody with stage four cancer, they're healed, and then you have to not be offended that God didn't use you. Like, it's all messy and amazing, but it requires the character to contain it. And that's why God's driving after the hearts of people now, saying, hey, trust my plans for your life. Hold still, you weirdo. Like, that's the Lord's looking at you going like, quit fidgeting. I've got it for him. We're like, no, I know you're busy, Jesus. So let me go ahead and help you out in this situation. I know you gave me a word, but I'm going to go ahead and participate in my word by helping you out with it. Participation in the word is not you helping him out. It's you making room in your life for the word. If God told you you're supposed to be an actor, if God told you you're supposed to be a businessman, you start making room in your life and planning for it to happen. It doesn't mean that you go and you do it yourself. You partner with him. <laughs> you will even feel like you've lost your love for ministry. And it's not that you've lost your love for ministry. It's just that you're getting a recalibration of desire. It's just the old way won't fulfill you anymore. And the Lord knows that you'll stay in the old way unless you feel the discomfort of being squeezed into something else. I've met pastors that are like, I just, I'm going to stop pastoring. I just, it's not, I just, it's not my passion anymore. And I'm like, no, that's not it. You're actually transforming into an apostle. And the pastoral side of you that was being developed is now no longer the strongest point of you. So you've got pastors that are supposed to step into apostleship that then don't allow the sons in the church to rise up into the pastoral arena because they don't know that they're supposed to be apostles. Our vision has to get healed because you will inappropriately view the Father and others and people will no longer become brothers and sisters. They'll become competition. And then we see people in community promoted and we instantly become jealous of it. We look at it and we're like, mm-mm. We, we try to put on a strong face and be like, bless you. Bless your face. Bless off bless you so hard in the face. May your face be blessed by a thousand godly hammers from heaven. <laughs> we, 
we try, we try and we angry smile through our Instagram feed <laughs> as we see other people's success. And we're looking at it going, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're successful and everything's going good in your ministry. I'm so happy that all your dreams are coming true. <laughs> when other people's dreams comes true, it's a reminder that ours hasn't. And that's why our vision has to be fixed, that we can celebrate other people's victories. True mothers and fathers make room for people to be great. And we allow people to be great. We don't get intimidated by people. My greatest desire, I teach a prophetic school. One of my greatest desires is that the people that I raise up and train, that they would prophesy way deeper than I do that they would go way beyond what I do, that I would be like a shadow and type of what they're going to step into. That is my real heart's desire. And until we get to that place as a community, we're going to be in a season of delay. And there's just a lot of work to be done. But we got to trust God because when we don't, we manhandle it. Genesis 16, 15 talks about Abram's son Ishmael was the product of not trusting God. God said, I'm going to give you a burden for a child and I'm going to give you a child. How would you feel if God said, I'm going to give you your heart's desire? You'd be like, you are? Yes, I am. Awesome. When? Can I, can, uh, can I have it now? Like, my daughter is seven, and that's how she is with LOL dolls. Right? Like, I'll be like, baby, you know, you get a good report card this month, you get a new LOL doll. Right? We put it on top of the fridge so she can see it, and she's got, she can focus on it. We make her earn it. And we're like, this is the prize. And she's like, can I have it? And I'm like, it's not the end of the month yet. And there's days where she'll be like, I don't even want the doll. I don't even want it. It's too hard. All this is too hard. I'm like, baby, she's covered in glitter. She has a unicorn horn. Like, you love unicorns. And she's like, yeah. Just have to realign her vision. Abram and Sarah were supposed to have a baby. So they don't trust God's timing. So they're going to help him out. They're like, hey, let's get this servant woman knocked up instead. You go have sex with her. Because I'm just too old and God said we're going to have a kid, so let's make it happen our way. How many times has God told you something that's going to be yours and you look at it through your own filter instead of through heaven's filter? I promise you, heaven's filter is way better than yours. It's way better. And so they, they give birth to an Ishmael. Now, they get kicked out of the kingdom. Ishmael and his mother are out in the wilderness dying, starving and dying of thirst. And she lays her baby, Ishmael, in a bush because she doesn't want to watch him die in front of her. And the angel of the Lord appears, who's Jesus, and tells her, I will make a mighty nation out of him, out of Ishmael, who was one of the forefathers of Islam. See, the truth of Scripture, what it was meant to be, just like Jews were meant to be our brothers in the faith, Muslims were meant to be our brothers in the faith. But through a wound of rejection, it distorted destiny. Destiny. 
We were meant to be one family. But because of vision being incorrect, it separated the plan. So they decided to help God. Do not be offended at Jesus's timing for your life. It's easy to get offended. You see people passing you and you're like, I mean, I got married when I was 30. And I'm not kidding, I married up. I was like totally content being like, okay, whoever you send, Lord. Like, I don't, I don't care. Just like, it's cold at night. Like, I'm 30. Like, I'm ready, right? Like, I'm ready to put a ranga on the fanga. Like, let's do this. <laughs> and can I just tell you that on the way to 30, I dated some train wrecks. And I was a train wreck too. But I dated some people that I was like, surely the Lord is in this. <laughs> and he wasn't. He's like, he's like, mm-mm-mm-mm. And my mom always had the discernment. She's like, baby, that's not the one. I'm like, mom, you don't even know. This girl is godly. She loves Jesus. And she's like, baby, I'm just telling you, she's not the one. Six months into that relationship, I'd be like, oh, Jesus, my mom was right. This is not, she's not the one. Jesus, help. Jesus, take the wheel. Help me break up. Let's, let's end this with a Christian hug. I don't preach anything I haven't had to walk through. And the reason is there's no anointing in preaching other people's sermons. You pay a price and you tread the grapes in your life to produce your own brand of anointing. And so that's why I share from things I go through. It's not that I've got it figured out. It's that I'm either walking through it currently or just came through it. People are like, you preach a lot about love. Like, you, your wife must just be in heaven at home. Nope. Like, I preach about love because I want to be better at it because I suck at it. That's why I preach about love. People are like, he's such a loving guy. I am. I, li- I, love, I love people, but I fail a lot. I'm just like you. I'm not some super hyper-spiritual guy. I'm still like, you're annoying. Don't talk to me. It's weird. You're creeping me out. Like, I'm just like you that way. But I'm walking through stuff. I, uh, early on in ministry, I, I started helping people out and sowing financially into ministries and um, getting people that were going through a hard time, like church connections. And these people I was helping out all of a sudden stepped into these huge doors of favor and got these international ministries that blew up. And they were like, Luke, bro, you know, this happened because the Lord used you to connect me. And the next big thing, you're in it. Like, we're going to do it. I've literally prophesied books and movements and all sorts of things that have broken out globally. And people don't know that I'm involved in it. And I'm like, Lord, you're the only one that knows. And he's like, And And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, I'd like other people to know too that I'm gifted. I'm used in it. He's like, but I know. And I'm like, I know that you know. Why doesn't he mean as much as other people? It means some things in my my life needed to be realigned. My vision need to be, needed to be fixed. My first book, uh, it was called The Beautiful Kind of Broken. And I, I wrote, um, <laughs> I emailed Bill Johnson and I emailed T.D. Jakes. And I was like, would you guys like to endorse my book? Like, I'm, there, nobody knows me. <laughs> Destiny Image took a risk and was like, yeah, we like your story. We'll sign you. And I was like, okay, cool. And I got rejection letters from both of them. And at the time, I was devastated. I was like, but I like Bill. We've done two events together. Why won't he do an endorsement for me? 
I'm sure he's got time. <laughs> he's super busy, right? <laughs> like, but you don't use reason when you have the wrong vision. You believe your own vision and you force everybody under the wrong filter of your vision, which means you've now misappropriated their life and, and it's fiction. And so the Lord's like, I endorsed your book. And I was like, so what? I can't put that on the book. I can't be like forward by Jesus. Like people will think I'm an idiot. I can't put a bunch of quotes in there and be like, this book's awesome, Jesus. Like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> and so I'm helping these people out in ministry and I'm watching them get promoted. And like, I'm, you know, they're like, hey, come speak at this conference. And I'm like, awesome, it's gonna be awesome. And then I text them and I'm like, hey, I need to plan. So like, do you need my information to book flights? And like, no replies. Or I would get like, new number, who dis? You know, and I'm like, what? <laughs> We just talked last week. Like, you don't, uh, you don't remember me? And so I started getting bitter because people were breaking their promises to me. Not promises that I sought out, promises that they made. And so I was seeing them break promises and become successful. And then I was like, I don't like that. I, I'm just as anointed as they are, Jesus. And it became about me being just as valuable as them. And so I'm, the time's going on and I'm watching this guy on TV. He's on God TV. And, and I was like so annoyed. I was in the living room watching it. And I yell out loud and go, I'm just as talented and as gifted as he is. And as soon as I say that, the Holy Spirit said, you're right. And I was like, what? He goes, you're right. You're actually more gifted than he is. And, and if you were there, it was an event at Bethel on God TV. And he's like, if you were there, the whole room would light up and they would love you because of what I've put on your life. And I was like, okay, why am I not there then speaking on God TV? And the Lord said, that's the exact reason why you're not. He said, because people would not discern where you're at emotionally and spiritually. They would buy into the anointing on your life and you would be promoted without the character to prolong it and it would cost you your ministry. And I care so much about what I've put in you that I don't want it destroyed. I want you to have the longevity. I was offended at Jesus for me not getting the promotion that I thought I deserved in the timing that I thought I deserved it. And the Lord even showed me prophetic visions of things I would be doing that I was watching other people do. And I was so frustrated. And the Lord brought me to Luke 7. I'm going to end with this. If I could have the worship team come up. If I could end with this. Luke 7, 18, it's about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a forerunner. The first man on earth filled with the Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit fell on people, but it wasn't until John where it filled people. In the womb, he was filled. He didn't ask the Holy Spirit to move in. The Holy Spirit came in and he was filled in the womb. And he knew the Christ. When he saw Jesus, he said, behold, this is him. This is the Messiah. He knew instantly. Now John's in prison getting ready to get his head chopped off. And he sends his disciples. He goes, hey, ask Jesus if he really is the Messiah or if we should look for another. John that knew was offended. And he sent his disciples. They go to Jesus and they're like, hey, are you the Messiah or should we look for another? Jesus tells them, hey, Demons are being cast out. People are being healed. The good news being, is being preached to the poor. Go tell John 
what you've seen here. And then Jesus says something so interesting. He said, and blessed is he who is not offended at me. We can become offended at him for the timing not lining up with our timing. But trust his timing. Don't give up before you're done. He's put the burden in you that you could be a host of that burden, that you could hang on to it your entire life and that it would manifest in God's timing. The truth is, you don't have to convince God to use you. It's his plan. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, Isaiah 58, 11, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters did not fail. The good ideas about your life come from him. I want you all to close your eyes. If you're in this room this morning and you're dealing with disappointment, and you're saying, you know what? I am dealing with disappointment and fear concerning my destiny. Maybe you're wavering on the fact that God's called you. I'm not talking about you're wavering on your Christianity, but you're wavering on your destiny. And if that's you and you're in this room and you're wrestling with that, it's not a sin issue, so don't get prideful on me. But if you're in here and you're wrestling with that, right where you're seated, just lift your hand to the Lord. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow, okay. Gotcha. And so I'm going to pray for all those hands that went up. A lot of hands, you can put your hands down. A lot of hands went up that are wrestling with this. And I know it can be a struggle when you're in a movement to wonder where you belong, to wonder, like to see people promoted and wonder when it's going to be your turn. Your primary focus must be on the prize of Jesus Christ. And as you focus on Jesus, he will open the doors at the right season for you to walk in. And you'll actually walk through that door with something. You'll walk through that door with power. You'll walk through that door with an anointing and purpose. You won't just get to walk through the door, but you'll have a destiny on the other side of it. David understood, meeting Goliath, that Goliath was not a roadblock, but that Goliath was a door. He saw that Goliath was a door. The Valley of Achor will be a door of hope. He understood that this was a doorway into destiny. Do not stop when an adversary or opposition comes into your life, because I promise you, it will sharpen you, and it will make you better in your character, and it will make you stronger in your faith in the long run. I'm going to pray for all those hands that went up just put your hand on your heart. Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, Father, that you would supply every need for them. Jesus, that you've already provided for them, God, that you've already made a way to love them, Father, and to get them to where they need to go. I pray that their vision would be healed in the name of Jesus, that they would see the correct timing of the Holy Spirit, Father, that they would not jump ahead of your plans, uh, Lord, but that they would understand the timing of their destiny mountaintops, God, and that they would be 100% successful in leaning into your voice and waiting upon you, that they would learn the lost art form of waiting on the Lord. Father, that they would not suffer from low self-esteem 
God, low self-esteem is an assault against Calvary. Lord, that they would align themselves with heaven, that they were fearfully and wonderfully made, that you picked them, that they are worth living in, that they are worth the destiny that you've spoken into their lives. Father, I pray that they would make peace with their promotion looking like what you intended, not what they wanted, but what you intended for them. Let no one give up and may trust rise up and may they release their offense. Now, I wanna pray for you with this. I can't pray this for you, this next part. You're gonna have to pray it. I'm gonna walk you through it because I can't violate your free will and neither can God, which means there's some ideas you have about him that are wrong because of your woundedness in that area. And so I'm gonna walk you through this. I just want everybody to repeat after me. Jesus, I break my agreement with the lie that I'm not worth my destiny. I choose to agree with heaven concerning my destiny. Jesus, forgive me in any way where I have not trusted you. I surrender my plans to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. Isn't God good? Um, I, I have just a couple of words here, um, and then we're going to uh, be done. Um, there was a, a young woman up here. She was a black girl um, with earrings, um, wearing like, it looked like a red and pink jacket kind of thing that was layered. I can't see because the lights are in my face. So just come up here if that's you. <laughs> yeah, there she is. Just come stand right here. Hi. What's your first name? Taisha. Taisha. Everybody just extend your hands towards Taisha. Taisha, I, usually during worship, I look around the room and I just ask, that's when the Holy Spirit highlights people to me. Um, and I saw you up here worshiping the Lord and the Lord showed me a really interesting picture of you and your responsibility to your family. The Lord showed me this picture of you and he said, you are a seed of faith for future generations in your bloodline. Many generations after you in your family will find shade under the branches of your faith. Generations, the Lord said, generations, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, all the way down, will eat the fruit from the tree of faith that you planted in your life. And the Lord said, for you, you're going to be a sign and a wonder to your family. And the Lord said that your faith and your life, your seed, will reach your family. Anybody in your family that does not know Christ, the Lord says, I will give them the opportunity. The Lord said, I made you a promise that I would knock on the doors of their heart. And the Lord said, not one will leave this planet without getting an opportunity. Not one will leave this planet without getting an opportunity to say yes. And it may not be in a way we understand, but the Lord says, I will encounter them. But the Lord said, you are going to be such a great heritage that generations will look back and be like, oh, she prayed. Oh, she prayed. We found her journals. We found the stuff that she wrote out, the stuff that she did. She prayed. And the Lord said that you really are planting trees of faith. That, and that's a huge thing, heritage for you. Like I literally saw as the tree grew, I saw it growing in cement in a concrete jungle. I saw the seed grow up. And when trees grow, they break up the ground, right? And it's like, I saw your family and I saw your bloodline 
and it was like concrete. And as your tree grew, I saw it break the line. And the Lord just said, your tree is going to break generational things in your family. It's literally going to stop the line and plan of the enemy. And so, uh, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. All right, so I'm going to pray for you for that. Just keep your hands extended. When you pray with me when we do this, before the Father, it's as if you just gave her this word. That's how the kingdom works in the prophetic. When you participate, it's as if you did it. So, Father, I thank you for my sister. Lord, um, I thank you, Father, that you've made her, even in her own family, a stranger in a strange land at times. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you plucked her out of the fire. God, you saved her. You rescued her. God, I thank you that her life is a seed, Father. God, and I thank you for the heritage, God, that she'll have in her family. God, I thank you that she is a walking sign and wonder. Even as she's met with aggression and skepticism, God, even when she's met with disbelief, God, and negativity, she will not waver. God, that she will still be a strong seed. God, I thank you for the fruit that she will produce in her life, Father. God, such beautiful fruit that will feed generations, Father. Lord, I thank you that, um, that's interesting. Lord, I thank you that you did call her to be a daughter that steps on the head of serpents. Father, that you called her to be a true intercessor, God, to bash in the head of the enemy. Lord, I just thank you, God, that you said she's going she's gonna to end foolishness in her family. God, she's going to end generations of uh, lack, Father. And I just thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in her life. God, I pray that she would walk out the fullness of her calling, that she would not second-guess it. God, that she would not let her carnal eyes deceive her, but that she would see the divine plan mapped out before her. God, I thank you that you're raising her up to be a voice. God, and I pray that she would say yes to that invitation. Father, I thank you for what you called powerful, simple faith. God, that it's not an accident that she's here. That it's not foolishness that she believes. But God, it's actually the wisest thing she could do. Lord, and I thank you that you said you're even going to give her... Um, <laughs> that's interesting, Lord. I saw the Lord put this little box inside of your heart, and it was like this little secret thing. Lord, what is that? Um, Lord, I thank you for whatever that is. Like, Lord, you're, you're putting a gift in there that the enemy can't see. You're not even showing me what's in that, but at the right moment, you're going to pull the bow. So, Lord, I thank you for when it's the right time that you're going to pull the bow. Lord, um, I pray, Father, that she would not grow weary in doing good. Lord, I thank you that you also called your daughter to be an olive branch. That's interesting. I saw you surrounded by people that were rejected by the church, uh, outcasts, throwaways. And the Lord said, uh, I'm going to help you end the wrestling match in people's minds. And the Lord was literally saying, it's really interesting. I saw you, <laughs> this is so funny. My daughter watched Doc McStuffins um, when she was real little. And, uh, you know, she's this little doctor. And um, I saw you like a physician, right? And I saw you going to people and opening up their minds and opening up their brains and ending the wrestling match that was in their brain. Um, and you're going to let people know that the war is over between them and God. Um, Lord, I just thank you that you called her the olive branch. God, that she'll bring peace. <laughs> that she truly is a freedom bringer. God, that she's a freedom fighter. Um, that's so interesting. Um, Lord, I also thank you that you said you're going to help her. I saw you working like as this physician, right? This is a metaphor spiritually, but I saw you working as this physician with women that had lost their trust in men. 
and like where their lines had been crossed and blurred and damaged uh, when they were little girls even. And Lord, that you said you're gonna use her to repair people's, literally women who have been broken by men, that you're gonna use her to build their trust back again in the hearts of men. Lord, and I thank you for what you're gonna do in her life. Lord, I pray that she would say yes to the invitation, Father, and never look back. In your name we pray, amen. Does that make sense? Well, amen. Isn't Jesus awesome? You can clap for Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus. It's, he's awesome. Yeah. I'm the middleman. It's him talking. So we want to honor that. Amen. He gets all the glory. Um, Alan in the flannel with the beard. That's funny. He's with the kids. We'll wait for him because I got a word for one voice, but I don't want to get into it yet. What are y'all looking at? <laughs> yeah, the babies. We're baby crazy right now, my wife and I. We're ready for round two. And so we're, we're baby crazy. We went to the fertility clinic again. Same news. <laughs> like, you will never have kids. And we're like, well, this is going to be awkward. We have one. <laughs> and they're like, How? <laughs> Jesus. We've prayed for 36 couples. 35 have conceived. 36 couples that were medically told they would never have children. 35 have conceived. That's a weird part to walk in on, Alan. I'm not going to prophesy about babies. You can stand right here. Hi, Alan. Hello. How are you? Good. Hey, extend your hands towards Alan. Uh, Alan, during worship, I saw you up here and the Lord just kind of highlighted you to me and um, I wrote down what he put on my heart. But I saw a banner waving over your head and it said, teacher. <clears throat> and the Lord said, I've given you... Oh, you're going to record it? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, you're fine. It's recorded, oh, it's already being recorded? Okay. Um, the Lord said, he called you a teacher and he said, you have the spirit of instruction that is upon you. And in my mind, I saw you like a rabbi. And um, I saw you like in, in a synagogue setting, right? Like with a yarmulke on, doing all like teaching yeah. out of the scrolls. Um, and um, I saw you teaching ethics and diligence. And I saw you teaching a generation how to have the proper ethics before the Lord and how to be diligent with their yes. Like I felt like the Lord called you a master teacher of servanthood. And the Lord was saying that there's other people, it's a lost art in the church. Serving, it's a lost art. And, but the Lord's put that in your heart that the Lord said, you're so obedient, the Lord said, when, when somebody says, go, and can you do this? Go, and can you do that? You go, as if the Lord himself instructed you. And the Lord said, I put that in you to deposit that in other people because I need more people serving in the body. I need more people serving the vision. Uh, and you're going to help teach people to be ethical and to be diligent with their yes. You were challenging people to become promise keepers. And I, what was really interesting was I, I, saw, um, I saw you. Are you married? Yes. Yeah, good. So I saw you and a woman, right, bringing married couples under a hoopah. 
and I saw you walking around them with this red cord and wrapping it around them. And it was cords of loving kindness. And I felt really strong like the Lord was saying, I'm going to use you and your wife to actually counsel people that are having struggles in their marriage. And the Lord said, I'm going to use you in this. I'm going to deposit wisdom in you to help them. And, um, but I just, I wanted to pray this. Does this make sense? Yep. Okay. So yep. keep your hands extended. So Father, I thank you for Alan. Lord, I thank you for the teaching gift that's on his life, for the gift of instruction, Father, that's on his life. Lord, I thank you that you called him an oak of righteousness. Father, I thank you that he's willing to stand. Lord, I pray for a download for Alan. God, to um, deliver ethics and diligence to a generation, Father. God, teaching them to serve, teaching their yes to be yes and their no to be no. God, teaching unwavering decisions. God, to stand and do the right thing. Lord, I thank you that you're also going to use him to wrap others with cords of loving kindness. God, that you're going to use him and his family to pull marriages together. God, literally people, um, and it wasn't through like this big counseling session and all that. It was like, I saw you invite them to your dinner table. And Lord, I thank you that it was through a warm meal and gentle conversation that people's hearts were repaired. Um, And what was really interesting was like, I saw you and your wife sitting across the dinner table from each other, talking to other couples and reminding them that they're not at war with each other, that they're on the same team. And so I I really feel like the Lord says, as this community grows, the Lord's gonna use you guys in a very amazing way to keep people healthy in their relationships. So Lord, I thank you for the teaching that he's going to bring. God, the instruction that's going to be on his life. God, that as he's willing to serve others, Lord, you're going to serve him, which is a huge deal. Jesus, you came to serve. So Lord, I thank you even for the season with Alan where you're going to wash his feet. Lord, where you're going to let him sit still and you're going to lavish your love on him. Um, it's like I almost saw you, Alan, um, sitting there in a row of people and almost at times like feeling passed over. And I don't mean like, oh, I didn't get promoted, but like the Lord was touching people and touching people. I just felt like the Lord says, I'm going to take you into a new season of encounter. So Lord, I just thank you that you're deepening Alan's encounter. Lord, I thank you for a new season of communication with him. I pray that he would walk it out, the fullness of his calling. In your name we pray. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, amen. Brian, would you come stand right here? I'd like everybody to just extend their hands towards Brian. I could get a a couple of OV people around him. That would be great. Just symbolically to support him. I asked the Lord specifically for a word for you. I'm always asking for your family, just, just so you know. You know, Brian, there's some connections that are made um, because uh, God's ordained them, and there's some connections that are made because people just like each other. And I'm thankful that we have both, that you and your family are family to me. And I just want you to know my only motive is to be your friend and to serve you. I don't need anything from you. I won't ever need anything from you except to be near you and hang out with you because I like you. (laughs) 
But this is what the Lord spoke. <laughs> he said, y'all better hang on because you're getting ready to step into a wild ride. The Lord said that you're like Nathaniel under a fig tree. In the next phase, we'll have new revelation that starts a revolution. Nathaniel was under a fig tree and the Lord saw him. And he spoke to Nathaniel and he said, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel's like, oh my gosh, like you are the Messiah, right? Because, and Jesus is like, you think because I saw you under the fig tree? And the Lord says, but I tell you this, you will see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You have prayed that you would have even a portion of what Lou has. The Lord said, I didn't come to give you a portion of what Lou has. The Lord said, everything from your past that's been great has been under a fig tree. He said, you need to get ready because I'm going to grow you into more than just a culture. I'm going to grow you into a major movement. And the Lord said, you had better get ready because I'm going to, I'm going to move in to your home with you. And the Lord said, I'm talking about there's going to be evenings where you're going to try to chew through the carpet just to get away from him because his presence will be so strong in your living room. The Lord said it will be inescapable. The Lord said, I'm going to release over your life ecstasia just like Paul had. You will be caught up in visions out of your body and into the mind of God just like Paul had. The Lord said, you and your family have been crying out for greater encounter and you have tried to shoulder this movement. And the Lord said, but I'm coming and I'm lifting it not removing it, I'm holding it for you. And the Lord said, and I'm going to release a new grace over your family to do what I've called you to do. The Lord said, you're not going to lose a single step. The Lord said, what I'm getting ready to do is open new revelation to you. And all the favor, all the blessing, everything you've received has been under a fig tree and you will enter a season of seeing angels ascend and descend on the Son of Man and it will birth a revolution that will change the earth. The Lord said, get ready to enter the season of tangible presence. The Lord said, not just where you feel the Father, but where you feel His touch. The Lord said, I'm going to do something with you. I'm going to touch your hip. And the Lord said, and I'm going to do something where everyone will see you even walk differently. The Lord said, where people will see a miracle, they'll be like, it's not that you're not walking right, but the Lord said, literally, I'm going to transform so much that people will be like, oh my gosh, like you can tell that he's been meeting with God, even with his limp, even with the way he walks, you can tell that he's been meeting with God. So much will come out of this next season for everyone in this community. People will be rising up as leaders. Books will be released. Music will be released. Stories will be written. People will be launching businesses. This will be known as a community of favor, not a community of young strugglers. But it will be a community of favor. You did not call these young people in to starve, Brian. You called them into success. And the Lord said, and I am releasing success. It's not your responsibility to make them successful. The Lord says, I am setting the table. It's their job to starve or eat. And the Lord said, you and your family are innocent. You've prepared a place for people. And the Lord said, even some that would have left and even thrown arrows of accusation, the Lord said, I'll remove everyone, every arrow. The Lord said, I will remove every falsehood. The Lord said, I trust your motives. 
the Lord said, I'm removing the Sambalats and the Tobias so that you, Nehemiah, can build the wall. The Lord said, the king will bankroll you to build the wall, just like Nehemiah. People will be rising up. You truly will become strong enough to stand on your own while still linking arms with fathers in the faith. You will go from being helped up to standing up, to standing strong. Literally, I saw this phase where fathers in the faith and in the movement grabbed you and pulled you up and you depended on that pull up. But now I see you as strong, as standing there as one of the tribes, linking arms with them, bringing value to them, bringing value to what they do. I want to say this, Brian, you're not lucky to be here. You were picked and they are lucky to know you, Brian. They are blessed to have you in their life. The Lord said this, you were able to resource the global church with a level of creativity and blessing that will come from this movement and this house and these people. I want everyone in this room to hear this. God's opening up an opportunity and an invitation for success for you. Stay the course. Don't ditch out. Don't look at things through your own filter. Participate. You didn't come here to just live off the spoils of the table. You came to sit at the table. I want everybody in community to hear this. Favor is open in this house. God's releasing favor over you. You need to start becoming kingdom entrepreneurs. Start taking risks on what God's put in your heart so that you can help resource one voice. So you can start help resourcing what this is. This place should not depend on the giving of outsiders. It should be you all running businesses, doing your things, making income, And I know it's hard. I'm talking to you from somebody who's just now launched into it. But I'm telling you, God's opening up favor in this house for business, for creativity, for promotion. And it's up to you to reach up and grab the golden ticket or miss it. But I'm telling you, God's ordained this movement and God's ordained one voice and he's ordained it to be here and to be thriving and successful in this city and in this region. And I'm telling you, it's like like investing in uh, Apple. If you had an, an ability to invest on the early end when it was cheap, you would have done it. <laughs> and I'm telling you, invest in one voice. As a community, give of your time, give of your resources, stop worrying about money and start trusting Jesus and watch what he does with it. I'm telling you, I've been in situations where I needed money in 24 hours to pay something that was $100,000 and I didn't have it. And then I go and check the mailbox the next day and some business owner sent us a check. Hello? I'm telling you, God can resource what he's doing here. But Brian, I saw this thing and we're going to deal with it. (laughs) You are not your father. You are a father in this community. You are totally separate. And you are a good father. You hear me? You are not failing as a father in this community and you're not failing as a father at home. You are a good dad. And your daughters and your son have an exceptional father that is not sacrificing them on the altar of ministry. The Lord says, I've put it in their DNA too. Your daughters will be fire starters. Your son 
will prophesy to the north, the south, and the east, and the west, and his mouth will be filled with the oracles of heaven. The Lord said it's lineage for you. Don't let the enemy turn your vision down. Look up, because there is an open heaven over your family and over this movement. So Father, I thank you, God, that they need to get ready and buckle up because it is going to be an adventure ride. Before you used to hear that phrase of buckle up because it was going to be bad news or something you had to work through and the Lord says buckle up because it's going to be a wild, fun ride, baby. So Lord, I thank you for the joy being returned. The Lord said, remember when it was fun? Remember when it was fun? He said, I'm going to restore that fun. So Lord, we thank you for the fun. God, for the joy of ministry. God, I thank you for what you're birthing in him and for what you're birthing in their family in this movement. I pray that they would walk it out, the fullness of their destinies. In your name we pray, amen. Isn't God awesome? Well, love you. We're 25 minutes over. Not that painful, huh? If you didn't get a word today, you don't have permission to leave here upset or pouting because you have an amazing father in heaven that wants to talk to you himself. And I should be a dim prize compared to him speaking to you. I am a tattooed middleman. <laughs> Sit still long enough in your personal life to hear him. Learn the art form of waiting on him. I promise you, there's not many things I can promise as a person. I try not to promise, but I can promise you this. If you hold still long enough, you will hear from him. You will. You're not uniquely deaf. I love you. Thank you for coming and being vulnerable and opening up your hearts and allowing me to, to speak um, this morning. I hope that it deposited something in your lives um, and that you leave here with something good. Amen? Amen. Who do I give this microphone to? <laughs> Come get it, Bishop.